You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the Westside Community News, and today we are diving into another player season preview. A fun one, an interesting one today. Buddy Heald, who's been in the offseason headlines, as Caitlin Cooper just highlighted on her Twitter feed, for not a lot of his play reasons, but a lot of his inclusion and trade reasons, his salary reasons, things like that. But he was a talented player for the Pacers last year, really transformed the perception of how he can play. And could he continue that this year? That's a big part of his season, the Pacers season, their future, their ability to move him. He has a lot of big stuff around him heading into this season, both as a player and as an asset for this team. And I think his season is going to be extremely fascinating to watch as potentially the Pacers' oldest starter, their second oldest player, basically, no matter what, turns 30 in December. Lots of very interesting stuff to watch for the former Kings guard this season. So how we do these, if you haven't listened to any of these other season previews, is we look at their stat projections from Basketball Reference and talk about that and what Buddy Heald's role could be this year. Then we'll pivot and talk about the biggest questions and stats about his season to watch. And at the end, we'll talk about their importance to the team, both this year and beyond. Buddy Heald's got a very interesting Basketball Reference stat projection this season. Reminder, they do these per 36 minutes. So comparing to last year is a little tougher for Heald because his stats were much different with the Pacers and with the Kings. And a lot of that's based on his role change, right? He came to the Pacers and was just playing flat out differently. And it wasn't on a ton of different usage. His usage rate with the Kings, 22.5%. His usage rate with the Pacers, 22.4%. Very much similar. But the way he played, the way he attacked, the way he fit into a system, the way he was encouraged to do things, really suited his offensive game better with the Pacers than with the Kings. So if you look back at his season last year, he finished at... 18.2 points per 36, but that number was higher with the Pacers. 3.3 assists per 36, but that number was way higher with the Pacers. A lot of his stats jumped up when he came to Indiana. Outside of his three-point shot dipping, everything else basically went up in a pretty significant way. Two-point percentage, all of it. So it's tough to say with a lot of his projections, and I think that's a big question we'll talk about next segment is, what buddy healed are the Pacers getting this year? For example, Basketball Reference projects his assists this season per 36 minutes at 3.5. Last year with the Pacers, Buddy Heald finished at 4.8 assists per 36. He finished the season at 3.3. He was well below 3.5 with the Kings. So 3.5 is about his full season average. That'd be better than he was with the Kings still. He'd still be a better playmaker, fitting in a little more, a little closer to his season, or his career averages, excuse me, but worse than the playmaker he was with the Pacers last year. And I think that's a decently fair assumption, not because I think he'll be a worse playmaker, but because he'll be tasked with as many playmaking duties. Halliburton should be asked to do that. Very often, TJ McConnell and Heald very rarely played together. That should happen more this season. Matherin's in the mix now. You know, last year when Heald was with the Pacers, Halliburton was around and Brogdon was around, but Brogdon only played eight or so games after the trade deadline, and that's pretty much it. It was pretty much Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton running the show with the guard spots who could actually pass decently for a lot of this down the stretch of the season. Dwayne Washington was sort of in that mix, but Kiefer Sykes struggled with playmaking. You know, whoever they had at point guard was not playmaking very well, so he had more of a passing role, Buddy Heald. I don't think he'll get to that, you know, almost five assists per 36 he had with the Pacers last year, but I think he'll be over that number that that basketball reference puts him at at three and a half. 5.1 rebounds per 36, that's about what he's always been pretty close to, in fact, exactly what he was 
for much of last season. His scoring one, the big one for Buddy Heald, an offensive weapon, 18.2 points per 36 minutes. That's exactly what he finished with last year, but was lower than three of his last four seasons. Only 2020-21 was lower than that number. So I'll be interested to see how that looks for him. Because I think when he is in the game for the Pacers this year, I do think his playmaking will be asked to be less, but I think his scoring load, his touches, you know, his usage didn't change, like I said, between the Kings and the Pacers. I think he'll get about the same usage as last year, about that, you know, a little under a quarter of possessions. I think he'll be asked to finish more possessions with shots. So I think his scoring per 36 could go up from his Pacer number last year of 18.4. I think that basketball reference is, is a little low there. So I would say... They're a little low on the assists and the points per 36, which is interesting. I think that just means I, I think he'll have a little bit more touches than they do, um, but not the same type of touches as last season with the Pacers. That's why his assists will be down over his full season number last year, or excuse me, down from his Pacer number last year, but up over his full season number. So I think those numbers are about close. To the, that's the closest I think for any player basketball reference has gotten uh, in terms of the stats, you know, the steal stuff. The, we, we know what Buddy Heald is and all the you know, steals, blocks, turnovers kind of stats as well. They've got about 16 shot attempts per 36 minutes. You know, that's about what he was at basically with with both teams he played for last year and the year before. So I think that that, that, that all makes a good sense, you know, given that the Pacers will be directing a lot towards Halliburton and Matherin and other youngsters this year. But Buddy Heald's still a very reliable weapon for them on the perimeter. The interesting stats are these three, or these two, excuse me, the percentages, the percentages. I think they're pretty close, like I said, on the, the per 36 numbers, the shooting percentages, Buddy Heald with the Pacers last year shot 45% from the field. By far, the best he's done uh, in a stop over the last three or four seasons. He had an, uh, a 45% season with Sacramento in 2018-19 and then was a little below that the year before. So this was th that stint with the Pacers would have been his second best shooting season ever. Uh, his three ball was down, but inside the arc, he shot 55% on twos, by far the best of his career. So then projecting him to shoot 40.8% as basketball references number, that would be a little stunning to me. That would be his third lowest career season, worse than his rookie year. You know, unless the basketball reference is projecting, he's just going to be chucking threes this season, which is possible. Uh, I think his field goal percentage will finish closer to 42, 43. His career average is 43. I am surprised that. Basketball reference would have him dropping by over 2% from his career average. Yeah, yes, he is 30, but he's only been in the league for six years. You know, he was sort of drafted around the same age as Chris Duarte. He was 24 in his rookie season as well. So I actually think that'd be an interesting story. But he's talking about coming in older, but I also think him being inexperienced, he won't decline as much. So I'm surprised to see the field goal percentage that low. I think it ends up higher than that. And his three-point percentage basketball reference projects at 37%. He was below that with both the Kings and Pacers this past season. But every other season of his career prior to this past season, he was at 39% or better. He's always been a fantastic shooter. His worst season of his career prior to 2021-22 was 39.1%. And basketball reference projects he'll shoot 37.4%. Maybe that's possible. His threes will be a little more difficult with the Pacers. Everyone except for Halbert and setting him up. Probably won't be putting him in the best situations, but he's good at getting off his own threes. He's good at making difficult threes. I think they're, they're a little low on both of his field goal percentage projections for this season. But again, he'll have some tough shots. He'll have to self-create a little bit more this season and in the past. And even last year with the Pacers, he was self-creating. You know, 86% of his threes were assisted. That's pretty low in the grand scheme of things. But throughout his career, he's been, you know, in the 80s and the 70% there. He'll be taking the self-created ones. I think he can get higher then 37% from deep. The other question I like to ask in these opening segments, what will his role be? Buddy Heald, like Chris Duarte, who we talked about last Friday, highly recommend people go back and listen to that podcast as well. 
He's one of the hardest guys to project his role. In fact, I actually am doing six players individually because my plan for season previews was the starting five and then break out the bench into positions. But I didn't know who the starting five is going to be. Buddy Heald could start, or Chris Duarte could start, or Matherin could start. It's not really clear who the two wings will be, wings guard, whatever you want to call them, wings guards. I think it should be Duarte and Matherin for most of the season, but I understand the value Heald provides as an offensive weapon, as a floor spacer, as a talented player. And the reason that you can see that the most is last season. You know, the Pacers with Buddy Heald on the floor in 925 minutes, 121 offensive rating without him for 3,000 minutes, 110 offensive rating, right? 11 points better. And he just makes everybody's life easier with spacing, with movement, you know, and like I've talked about a lot on this show, for a young player uh, or for a younger team, basically if Buddy Heald's being held his jersey away from the play beyond the three-point line, now everybody else is playing four on four. They have a lot more space and that's helpful for the development of players in the NBA. So I understand the value of playing him a lot. I think he could start. I think it's very possible he starts early in the season. I think that makes sense, but I think over the course of the season, as the season progresses, as the Pacers kind of settle into whatever their record is, you know, assuming they are not as good, at, not as good this year as they have been in past seasons, which a lot of you know Vegas projections suggest, which most people think for a younger team, including me, that they'll win, you know, in the high 20s in games. For example, once that starts to become more of the reality, I think you'll see more of Matherin and Duarte in those spots and less of Buddy Heald. So it's possible he starts at the beginning of the season and that gets taken away, or he starts but is the first guy to sub out as the season progresses. And I think it's fine early if he's the starter, but to me, this this should be about maximizing the number of minutes of. Hal Burton, Mather, and Duarte as you can get, and, and unfortunately Buddy Heald's in the way of maximizing that, even though he can still play a lot under that guise. Especially, you know, if Neesmith struggles, Buddy Heald could be playing still like 30 minutes a game, just as the backup for those two guys. So I still think he plays a lot. I think he has a, a healthy role on this team, but how much he fits in in that within that those wing spots at the 2-3 with Duarte, with Matherin in the mix, with Aaron Neesmith in the mix as another young guy. You know, they have names they could be getting out there at those positions. How Rick Carlisle decides to balance them is not clear at this time, but I think there is value in all the decisions, and that's why his role, along with Duarte's, is one of the hardest ones to project this coming season. It's not really clear what he'll be there. So what I like to do for the second segment here is bounce off of those kind of role projections, things like that, and talk about you know, the big questions for a player season, because Lord knows there's a lot of questions about the Pacers now, as they are younger than they've ever been, as well as look at the what stats I think are important for them this season. There's quite a few for Buddy Heald. Before we do that, though, I would like to quickly talk to you guys about betonline.net, your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can get all the latest at betonline.net for league developments, for football, game matchups, news, podcasts, including the opening week games. Monday Night Football just kicked off about 10 minutes ago. As I'm speaking, they've got lines up for week two already. The Colts always bad in week one. That's why that line was scary, and I was correct to continue to say that. As I talked about Bet Online, they are favored by four against the Jags this coming weekend, and a win would keep them in first in the division. But we know how it went for the Colts against the Jags to close out last season. Those lines all over at BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action over at BetOnline.net because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, hey, go check out Buddy Heald's old team, Lockdown Kings. Matt George killing it, covering Sabonis and co. over in Sacramento, Justin Holiday, still a member of that Kings team. You can get it all from Matt George over at Lockdown Kings. And hey, 
Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, Giannis. Which NBA player moves the betting lines the most this season? Locked on and Bet Online odds makers present the NBA Top 50 Most Valuable Players starting on September 19th, one week from Monday, six days from now. Find it on Locked on NBA, wherever you get podcasts and YouTube. It's sure to be a fantastic time. Let's keep looking at Buddy Heald's season here on Locked On Pacers and some of the big questions I have for his season. And for some players, this part is easy. I can think of one or two questions right away. For Buddy Heald, I thought of like five. and I couldn't decide which one was the most important because there's a lot of important things for Buddy Heald this season. If I had to sum it up into just one, I think Buddy Heald has kind of a similar question to Jalen Smith, you know, and I think that, that, that it's interesting that Jalen Smith gets talked about more as a question mark than Buddy Heald does, and I think that's fair. He's younger. Buddy Heald's a more established player, but Buddy Heald, what Buddy Heald do the Pacers have? Is he the same guy he was post-trade? Is he a blend of the Kings and Pacers? Buddy Heald, who is this guy? Because I still think this is one of the undertold stories of Buddy Heald last season. He was a 14 points a game scorer with the Kings, added four points a game with the Pacers. And he added seven minutes a game. But okay, even if you use per 36 numbers, his scoring went up, his assists went way up, his rebounding went up, his drives went way up. And we'll talk about drives as a key stat this season, but his drives per game basically doubled, right? His defense was still bad. He was bad on defense on both teams. But he was clearly a different, more refined, more effective player with the Pacers than with the Kings. It's kind of TBD. What, what caused that? You know, the Pacers system was good for him. The encouragement to shoot threes was good for him. The environment was good for him. He was happy to not be in Sacramento anymore. As time progresses, as the Pacers continue to pivot into their new era, what buddy heel do the Pacers have? I think is the biggest question for him this season. If he's the guy he was to close last season for a significant amount of time this year, he's going to continue to be, I think, a neutral value contract perceived around the NBA. He can really help the Pacers. He could play a lot. He's Good. He was good for them last year. Their offensive rating with him on the floor was ridiculous. Like, if he's that player this whole season and he never gets hurt, right, that's something great about Buddy Heald. Played 81. The lowest amount of games he's played in a season is 71, and that was in a shortened season, right? He plays all the time. So he's going to give you all this value. Can he continue to do that at the level he did for the Pacers last year? Or is he a blend of the level he was for the Pacers and Kings? That's still a better player than he was for the Kings, but... What Buddy Hill are the Pacers getting? I think that's the kind of how I would sum up what I'm watching for his season because that sort of answers a lot of the other questions I put in. Right? What will his role be? Can he become a positive asset that sort of changes the perception of what he can be in trades and what the Pacers can, can look for in those situations? A lot of that depends on how well he plays and if he is the guy he was post-trade, what exactly he settles into. I think that's a lot of the questions I have about his season. But yeah, can he become a positive asset is another one I typed down. Like if he continues to play like that, you know, I call them a neutral value asset this summer now, given the way he played for the Pacers. But I think most still consider him slightly negative value at, you know, just under 40 million left on his deal for the next two years because his defense is not very good. But if his offense is still better than his defense is negative, that was poorly said. If his positive value on offense is more than his defensive negative value this season, and he was close to that last year with the Pacers, then yeah, you can call him a positive value asset, and he would fit well on good teams. So that's a, a key thing for the Pacers team to watch about his season. Will his defense be better? I think that's a key question. You know, Even with the Kings, with him on the court, 115 defensive rating, still very bad. With the Pacers, it was well over 120. That's atrocious. You know, can he improve defensively? That would help a ton in his projections. Team defense, just general awareness, would go a long way for him on that end of the floor. 
And Willow's will all change. You know, I sort of talked about that at the beginning. How will his role evolve? I think that will sort. I think Buddy Heald's role will sort of tell the story of the Pacers' season and where they're at. If he's still starting, maybe come December fifteenth, that either means he's helping the Pacers a lot when he's playing, which is good for the Pacers and his value, or uh, they're playing above expectations and winning games, and they feel like they need to keep it rolling. So if he, you know, maybe December fifteenth is too early. Maybe like January fifteenth. If he's still starting January fifteenth, that's probably a positive sign for his value and the Pacers' win-loss record. His role will be very telling there. If he's if he starts the season as a starter and come December or January fifteenth, he is clearly firmly in the bench, and the Pacers have Duarte, Matherin, and Halbert and playing a ton together. That's still probably a successful thing for them, but it likely suggests that. They're losing a lot or things weren't going well with Heald in the starting lineup. A lot of stuff could impact that role change on the statistical front. I also, maybe this is just a symptom of how Buddy Heald played for the Pacers last year and the perception of him as a player, couldn't come up with like one easy, important stat to monitor. Like when I type the previews for these, my structure says most important stat to monitor. I put three. Three things can't be the most important, but there are a lot of important things. First among them, defensive rating. I mean, look, 120 is atrocious atrocious with buddy heel on the court last year pacers defensive rating 122.65 with him off the court 115 still bad but seven points better you know he he's got to be better on that end of the floor in general on any team but especially so the pacers who really struggled defensively this past season again even with the kings with him on the floor 115 defensive rating that's one big stat to monitor his defensive rating on off defensive rating is a team stat that's why the on off part is more important there to make it more about the individual assists are another one that will sort of play into his playmaking role how much he's he's kind of the secondary guy versus a play finisher you know that sort of perception will matter as he carries on and as the Pacers offense continues to do well because on the flip side of that defensive rating you know as he was a good secondary creator for the Pacers last year their offensive rating with Buddy Heald on the floor, 121.2. That's amazing. Their offensive rating without Buddy Heald, 110.58, right? That's a huge jump. He had a ton of offensive value because he played really well off of Halburn, off of Brogdon, off of whatever guard was next to him, really. He played very well for the Pacers on offense as that secondary creator. If he can continue to be a nearly five assists per game guy, that was very impressive for him. Best mark of his career by a mile. The most he's had in a season was 3.6. He was nearly at 5 for the Pacers last year. If he can continue to do that, that would be huge for his outlook and how much he's helping this Pacers team this season. And the last stat I wrote down to monitor for him, and something I alluded to earlier on this show, is drives. Drives are something I value very much as a stat that, that kind of talks tells how much a player can make a defense rotate or make an offense move or be an engine for an offensive team. And I think it's, it's no secret that Buddy Heald was more effective for the Pacers than than the Kings. So let's just look at last year. With the Pacers, Buddy Heald is at 8.7 drives per game. That's not a ton. You know, that's less than McConnell and Halliburton and Levert and Brogdon, who are all over 10, but that's pretty good, especially for a guy who's mostly considered a shooter. That's more than Lance Stevenson. That's more than Duarte. You know, 8.7 is a lot of drives per game. With the Kings, Buddy Heald averaged four drives per game, less than half of his number with the Pacers. Jeremy Lamb with the Kings last year. Average more drives per game than Buddy Heald did with the Kings. Pacers fans know Jeremy Lamb's game very well. So I, I, I say that all to say, driving made him more effective. He was cutting through the defense, making them rotate, and getting to his own spots, right? He was finishing decently well at the rim for the Pacers this past season, right? From 0 to 3 feet, 60%. That's pretty good. And he was also making the defense move in a way that allowed him to set other guys up. If he can continue to keep that drive number, even at a healthier 7 number, not even at that 9 he nearly he was at, 
with the Pacers last year. That would still suggest he's doing a good job getting into the teeth of the defense, being effective in that way, in a way that he wasn't with the Kings last year before he was traded. I think that would be very telling of his impact and of the way he'd be playing for this Pacers team. So those are three pretty broad stats, but I think they'll do a good job telling the Buddy Heald story. Is he still ineffective on defense? Can he be a secondary creator? Is he helping this team on offense? And will he make it through the whole season with the Pacers is another question to ask. But if those stats are all positive, the chances he stays with the Pacers probably go up a little bit. But the, his value around the league would also go up. So it's going to be fascinating to watch all of that this season for the man who turns 30 in December. I'm looking forward to seeing how Buddy Heald answers those questions this year. Because it's rare that a guy is 30, but also only six years in the league and still sort of some questions about his growth, right? Oladipo took off and exploded in his fifth year in the league, right? Buddy Heald's only been in the league one more year than that Victor Oladipo explosion. Like, it's hard, it's hard to picture him that way because he's turning 30. That's really how it's been. So I'll be fascinated in his third season. Now let's talk about... How important he is to the success of the Pacers in year seven and how he's angling for his spot on the team, if at all, as the Pacers transition into a new era. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, hmm, any team in the league. I could talk about anyone. How about Lockdown Magic? The Orlando Magic, the spunky Orlando Magic. Why I'm excited to watch this year. They have a ton of... A fun young talent, and Philip Rossman Reich kills it covering that Magic team from Orlando. Hey, let's keep talking about Buddy Heald, though, who has no ties to the Magic. And I like to ask this question for every Pacer player, because I think it's telling of where they are now and where they're going to be in the future. How important are they to the success of the Pacers this year, and are they angling for how important are they to the spot on the to their spot on the Pacers long term? Right, the Pacers are in a rebuild now. There's different questions that had to be asked as much in past seasons, right? Guys were helpful now. This time, and sort of in like 2017, I would say, there were a lot of questions about the future. Now it's about more of the future than the now, which is rare for the Indiana franchise. How important is Buddy Hill to the success of the Pacers this year? Pretty important, right? He's 29, he'll be 30, he's a vet, he's the second oldest player on the team, one of the best offensive players on the team, skilled player. If the team is good, He's been good. I think it's that simple. It's sort of what I alluded to in the second segment when I said, you know, if he's still starting or playing a lot or his role hasn't changed at all come mid-January, for example, that probably means he's playing well or the team is playing well with him in the game. And thus, he, he would be playing a lot and thus the team would be winning a lot or more than expected at least. And so, yeah, I think he's pretty important to their success this year in the win-loss column. Now, that's not the only rubric to define this Pacers season. I think there'll be a lot of talk about player development. Lineup stats will be very important this year. How guys fit with Halliburton and Matherin will be very important this year. And those are true things for Buddy Heald as well, but both for his future with the team, but also to see like, you know, do, do shooters, do mobile shooters fit really well with those guys? And likely they do, but you know, he's an atrocious defender that matters in this calculus as well. So yeah, I think he does have a lot of success to the Pacers this year in terms of the win-loss column. He's probably one of the five most important Pacers in that department this year. But, you know, his long-term stats, his fit with those guys, I don't think he's as important to their rubrics of development and fit with some of their young players. Unless it's a, a bomb dynamite fit, I think it's more about his player type fit with those players, more so than him specifically, Buddy Hield specifically's fit with those players. He's been in the trade chatter a bit this offseason already, not because he isn't good. In fact, the opposite. It's because he is good, and other teams want him, and he's outside of the Pacers' kind of ideal range. They have a dozen players, 25 or younger. He'll be 30 in December, right? This matters. So yes, 
Is he important to their success this year? Yeah, he's a good player. He's a valued player. That's why the Lakers tried to trade for him last year before they ultimately didn't. And that's why he's in trade talks for them again. But his importance under the rubric of wins and losses is different than his importance to the success under the rubric of development, of finding answers to your future franchise. I think that's true for him. I think that's true for TJ McConnell, who we talked about last week on the bench guards. And I think that's kind of important for guys like Daniel Tice as well. You know, some of these older guys on the Pacers. They have some win-loss importance. They have less importance to some of the other rubrics that matter. I keep saying rubric. Some of the other evaluation points and, and, and data sets that matter for a young building team. And the other question to ask in these season previews, is this player angling for a spot on the Pacers long-term? Or, or for the long-term success of the Pacers, how likely is it this guy has a long-term impact? I would say pretty low for Buddy Heald. You know, if he if he absolutely clicks with the Matherin, Halliburton duo, for example, maybe they could, you know, he's extension eligible before the season starts. Once the season starts, he is not until next offseason. But, you know, maybe they could extend him next year if he really clicks in this team as, you know, the 11, 10, 9 seed, something like that. And he's a bomb fit, dynamite fit. They love having him with this team. He fits really well on offense. Yeah, th- then maybe, but not a long extension. He'll be 31 then. And he makes a lot of money in the flexibility to. Not a lot of money. That's a stretch. He makes solid money for a guy that will likely, if, if things go the way the Pacers want, given how they've drafted, come off the bench. You know, you'd be paying that guy on an extension. I don't think you'd take an extension making less money. <laughs> probably $18 million coming off your bench. That's not bad. That's not an, a gross overpay, but you'd probably like more flexibility for a young Pacers team. So it's possible Buddy Heald is on the Pacers longer than his current contract of two years. It's possible. You know, he could click very well. Him and Halliburton coming together, I think, was a key part of you know, them both succeeding on a new team. They had someone else to lean on. Tristan Thompson, too. Credit to him for what he did with the Pacers. But I, I don't think necessarily Buddy Heald's a huge part of the Pacers long term. The age is the biggest factor. He, it's not that he isn't talented, right? His on-off suggests he's supremely talented on offense, especially. But he's just he's just going to be 31 when his contract ends. And he's already in trade talks. And again, and that has nothing to do with his talent. It has more to do with his fit on other teams, his skill set, things like that. So in the rosiest scenario, yeah, I think it's possible that, that Buddy Heald could be on the Pacers longer than the next two years, but not for much longer than that. And so to answer the question of are they angling for a spot on the Pacers long term or are they some key cog in this Pacers rebuild, I would say no. And a lot of that just has to do with when he was born, right? He was born in 1992. He turns 30 in December. I, I hope some of you older listeners didn't just cringe hearing 1992 turning 30. So, yeah, I mean, uh, look, Buddy Hield's good. Buddy Hield was great for the Pacers last year in comparison especially to the rest of his career, right? I, I do not want to belittle that by saying he's not important to the long-term Pacers success or that you know, he's not angling for a spot in the Pacers long-term. Maybe he loves Indiana and would love to be around if they don't trade him. And that would be awesome. You know, a, a, a great shooter like that wanting to stick with a franchise is valuable. But given his age, given the Pacers' timeline, and given the, the, what their young players, to, like they just drafted a point guard 31, they drafted an off-ball guard or wing at, at 6, <laughs> they drafted a, a pretty quality all-rookie team wing at 13 last year, right? All these things point to say Buddy Heald probably not looking or angling for a spot on this Pacers team long-term, but it could be up to him, and it could be up to how Matherin plays. Maybe Matherin doesn't pan out the way they want. Maybe Duarte kind of stagnates, and they have more minutes for Heald. But I would say, in general, is Buddy Heald angling for a spot on the Pacers long-term? No. I think he's angling to prove that he can be valuable and dynamic to this team and other teams as the season progresses, and he could fit in very well on some talented teams with his shooting ability. So there's still a lot to watch with him. 
So he's got, still got a lot to prove as he really transformed as a player after being traded. But I think Buddy Heald's season is going to be about proving his value, proving what he can be in a new situation that isn't one that he was not preferable to in Sacramento, to be quite frank. So we'll see how the season goes. I'm really looking forward to watching Buddy Heald this year. You know, he, he I still don't love his game as much as some others do, but he, he I like when players can can show their value in a different situation. Buddy Heald certainly did that, and I like when players show off new skills, and he certainly did that. So perhaps he can continue to do that this coming season. Hope you guys enjoyed Buddy Heald season preview. If you think I missed something, comment down below on YouTube or tweet at me at TEastNBA or tweet at the podcast at Lockdown Pacers. Those are the best ways to reach me. Um, tomorrow, more season preview content. We'll be looking at the bench, big men. Daniel Tice, Skoga Batadze, and Isaiah Jackson. I know a lot of people excited to watch Isaiah Jackson this year. Daniel Tice playing very well in Eurobasket recently and has people thinking maybe he could play in the rotation for the Pacers this year. Some decently valid arguments I've heard for that in recent days. His German team actually plays today, if you're listening on Tuesday, against Greece for a spot in the semifinals. So that'll be fun. Then we're doing awards and standings predictions with Shane Young later this week. And then Benedict Matherin season preview on Friday. That all assumes there's no news that the Pacers make a trade, if they make signings, if they finalize their training camp roster. We'll jump all over that, but that's the tentative schedule for the rest of this week. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We'll be back tomorrow talking bench, big men, what their season looks like. Till then, everybody have a great day.